Welcome to the First Church Message of the Week podcast. Thanks for listening in. As we enter this new year, we are invited to reflect on what has been and how we can build on that in our future. As we build on our Christmas themes of expectations, what does it look like to expect, hope for, and commit to seeing and experiencing the presence of God in our lives? This week's message of the week comes from Pastor Bryce Blank, who shares from Isaiah 63, highlights the faithfulness of God, and challenges us to slow down to get a better glimpse of the presence of God. Here is the First Church Message of the Week. Our scripture from today comes from Isaiah chapter 63, verses 7 through 9. You can follow along on the screen with me. I will recount the Lord's faithful acts. I will sing the Lord's praises because of all the Lord did for us. For God's great favor toward the house of Israel, God treated them compassionately and with deep affection. God said, truly, they are my people, children who won't do What is wrong? God became their savior. During all their duress, God also was duressed. So a messenger who served him saved them. In love and mercy, God redeemed them, lifting and carrying them throughout earlier times. This is the word of God spoken to us today. Will you please pray with me? Holy and loving God, as we have received your word today, let it speak to us, let it mold us, let it guide us to being the people you have called us to be. What you need us to hear today, let us hear. Amen. So you may or may not know that I'm a pretty big fan of football. And in the game of football, it's really hard to see everything that is going on all at once because there are so many moving pieces happening at such a fast speed. And I remember as a kid watching the greatest team on earth, the San Francisco 49ers. (laughs) I remember watching them and thinking that it was so hard to figure out what was happening, that it seemed like all the players were just running around haphazardly, running into each other for no particular reason, with no rhyme or reason. But as I began to watch them over the years. I continued to watch the 49ers dominate. Maybe, maybe not. I began to be able to discern and see where the ball was, where it was being, who was being hiked to and who was being thrown to and where the runner was actually running. As I, as I continued to watch football, I was able to see a little bit better what I missed out on as a child. And thankfully, later on, there was this awesome invention called instant replay. Yeah, it's pretty great. It allows us to take live footage and slow it down so that we can see what we had maybe missed at live speed. It allows us to take that footage and see what is happening moment by moment as we see the awesome feats that athletes are accomplishing on the field of football. And it's in those moments as a fan that I'm leaning forward, that I'm hoping the call goes my way, maybe sending up a few prayers, but, it, but really being in awe of some awesome things that are happening. 
And so in a moment here, we're going to see a video clip that uh, is an, a sports moment that I remember watching vividly, uh, and I probably will never forget, I hope. Um, it happened in November of 2014. The Dallas Cowboys were playing the New York Giants, and the quarterback, Eli Manning, throws the ball to player Odell Beckham Jr. And let's take a look at what we see in real time and what uh, we see in our uh, instant replay. This is the running back. Play action. And Manning's going to heave one. Is, oh, there's a flag. Beckham, one-handed catch. How in the world? <laughs> oh, my goodness. And Brandon Carr was back there. I mean, he is insane. How do you make that catch? Oh, my goodness. This is sick. Put this to music. I don't think he stepped out either. That may be the greatest catch I've ever seen. Number 39. Penalty's declined. Result of the play. Touchdown. You have to be kidding me. That is impossible. That is absolutely impossible what he just did. That may be the greatest catch I've ever seen in my life. So even if you're not a fan of football, I think you can appreciate what an incredible athletic feat that Odell Beckham Jr. accomplished by catching that ball over his head with three fingers and staying in bounds for the touchdown. And you may have uh, maybe not noticed how incredible that was the first time it happens live. But as they showed the different perspectives, as they showed the different angles, we were able to see much more than we had originally seen. So now let's jump into our text for today from Isaiah. Isaiah's text is a prayer for his people. Isaiah understands his people, and he understands God. And as a prophet, he is kind of that connector person between God and the people of Israel. And he speaks on their behalf. Now, his prayer is not just for himself, but it is actually on behalf of the congregation, on his people, much like when we pray a communal prayer together in worship. And so, his communal prayer speaks truths both to the lives of those personally, but also as their collective whole. That's what he's doing in our scripture. And so we read that Isaiah prays, I will recount the Lord's faithful acts. I will sing the Lord's praises because of all the Lord did for us, for God's great favor toward the house of Israel. Now this prayer is a call to look back on God's faithfulness, to see where God has been present and has provided. Why is he asking and encouraging the people of Israel to do this? Well, he asks because he knows that they are right now in a moment of peace amidst their struggles, that they're at a point where they want to and can move forward with God in their lives. And so in this way, Isaiah is asking his people to kind of engage in a little bit of a spiritual practice, of a spiritual discipline, of recognizing the acts that God has been doing and giving thanks to God's presence in their lives. Now, looking back on Israel's history, we see that they had no shortage of struggles. They were enslaved in Egypt. They wandered for decades in the wilderness, and they had just had their temple in Jerusalem destroyed by the Babylonians. So by looking back on their struggles and their hard times, the Israelites can see how God has provided for them over and over in times of need. 
And this is a practice that the act of looking back that cultivates our understanding of God and the ways we interact with God. This is a practice that allows us to see what we may have missed in the moment when we've been living out life. And it's a practice that we can benefit from and engage in too. And so I invite you to uh, practice with me. Think back over this last year. Think back to everything that you've gone through, everything that you've done, everything you've experienced, everything that you've accomplished. Think back. Think back to where you were a year ago. Has much of your life changed? Have you changed? What surprised you over this last year? What didn't you expect? What went the way you anticipated exactly as you thought it'd go? Think back over the last year. As we move into this new year, as we say goodbye to 2022 and look ahead to 2023, we're provided with this natural transition, an appropriate marker to help us keep track of our days here on earth. It's the perfect time to reflect and to take in where we have been and assess where we want to go. And if there are changes we want to make in our life, now is a good time to do so. Typically during this time, I notice that there are businesses and companies that offer plenty of different things this time of year, things that will change our life, that will make our life in 2023 so much different than the previous years. Maybe it's a, a new diet program, a gym membership. Maybe there's a car offer or a new like language app where you can learn a new language, things to help you accomplish your goals. Maybe it's that household tool that you just have to have, that kitchen appliance that will just change your baking world forever. I don't know what it is. And while, but I'll admit that all these things are pretty great by themselves. However, I think that they rarely end up changing our lives in the way that we think and the way that they are advertised in the ways that we might hope and expect. In fact, the biggest problem is that the feelings that we get from using these products or having these experiences, they don't last very long. When we try to change our lifestyles, studies have shown over and over that those who set goals for the new year rarely ever end up accomplishing them by its end. And so as much as we may want to change, as much as we may want to set and accomplish those goals and go after what we want, the truth is that change is hard to sustain. A new habit is hard to sustain. And that's the problem that we're faced with today. Because during the last month, we have been expectant. We have looked ahead to the coming of Jesus on Christmas. We've looked ahead, filling our souls with hope, with peace, with joy and love. But now that that day has passed, the celebration is over. Maybe our Christmas decorations are put together. The presents have been opened. We're left with the question, how do we remain and sustain expectant. Moving on from Advent and from Christmas, how do we continue to expect God's presence in our lives and in the world? If we wish to live in the knowledge of God's presence in our life, how do we sustain that joy that we found on Christmas? Statistically speaking, we can't even accomplish our own goals and lifestyle changes that we want to in a given year. So how can we expect to sustain joy and remain expectant. 
On April 8, 1516, Martin Luther, the famous monk who unintentionally started the Protestant Reformation, he, let, he wrote a letter to Augustinian friar George Splendlin, and he said, Lord Jesus, you are my righteousness. I am your sin. You took on you what was mine, yet set on me what was yours. You became what you were not, that I might become what I was not. Martin Luther, in his letter, realized a truth about God and God's faithfulness to us that permeates all we do. He understood that if we wish to sustain our passion, our hope, our peace, our joy, and our love in Christ, we must let go of our own abilities. Our own abilities are not good enough. We can't do it on our own. But God can God can take our struggles. God can take our sin. God can take our distractions and, and those excuses that we set for ourselves. And he can replace those with strength, with goodness, with perseverance, with patience. You took on you what was mine. It set on me what was yours. You became what you were not, that I might become what I was not. God makes up for our shortcomings. And that's the truth that Isaiah prays with the Israelites in our scripture. He says, during all their duress, God also was duressed. So a messenger who served him saved them. In love and mercy, God redeemed them, lifting and carrying them throughout earlier times. Isaiah knows that the Israelites have not made it through their struggles and their hardships on their own. He looks back on their history and knows that God stuck with them, and never abandoned them. In love and mercy, God redeemed them. God not only faithfully stuck with God's people, but God redeemed them when they needed to be saved. And that redemption was the work of God for the Israelites. Considering the gospel, that redemption is Jesus too. Jesus dwelt among us, Emmanuel, God with us. God, Jesus, stood beside us, and lifted us up and carried us through hard times. And God did the same for those Israelites. Isaiah knows this and he names it. He's participating in that practice of reflection, much like we often do during this New Year's time. He knows that God is so much more close to us than we know, that he's so in tune with us that he feels our feelings. He knows what we are going through. If we are sad, God is sad with us. If we feel joy, so does God. God is right there with us on each step of our journey. We are God's people and God is our Savior. Jesus is our Savior. And he's the Savior who takes on all that we have done wrong, all that we struggle with. God did this and he did this for us. He does it for us and he did it for the Israelites. Now, when I was reading a Bible commentary, an unnamed scholar said this. He said, for he or she said, for some religion can feel like a burden, but to genuine believers, they find that it is God who upholds them. It is God who upholds them. It is God that upholds us. God holds us and God shares himself with us, especially when we are seeking his joy but don't have the strength or the endurance to do so. 
So considering Isaiah's communal prayer for the Israelites, we have to answer our question. How do we remain and sustain expectant in God and for the work and the presence of Jesus in our lives? Well, we do so by recognizing and naming what God has already done. We take time to reflect on where we have been and where we are going. In doing so, we give thanks as we understand that we haven't made it to where we're at on our own, but it has been God who carries us in tough times. Now, God hasn't and won't make things easy. God won't take away our struggles or stop our pain, but God will remain with us, feeling, empathizing with us as we endure. God will take on what we have and what we are going through, and he will offer hope and peace, and joy, and love that only Jesus can provide. We fall short by ourselves, but God perseveres. God remains faithful, and God's love conquers all. And so Isaiah prayed what we will pray also. I will recount the Lord's faithful acts. I will sing the Lord's praises because of all the Lord did for us. So what does it look like to expect the presence of God in our life? What does it look like to expect, to hope for, and commit to seeing and experiencing the presence of God in our lives? Maybe it looks like accountability to others. Maybe it looks like community like we have here today in this space. Maybe it looks like being reminded of God's work when we're too close to see what's in front of us. Maybe it means setting a time time for prayer or setting aside something that's unhealthy in our lives. Maybe it means taking time to read scripture with a friend or maybe signing up for a small group. Maybe it means doing what we can to make the world a better place, recognizing and knowing that we, in the ways we fall short, God will complete our work. Maybe expecting God in our life means offering what we can knowing that God will multiply our offering for the goodness of creation and for the betterment of God's kingdom. So how do we remain expectant? Well, the answer to that question is up to you. It's up to each of us individually. But it starts with recognizing God's work in our life and taking the steps, any step, to respond to that work. So this new year, it is not a resolution that we need for our life, but rather a new perspective. Like those crazy football moments when we don't even know what is happening. We need to slow down and take a closer look. We need the opportunity to look at what was or what has happened and catch a glimpse of what we may have missed. In football games, Slowing down, reviewing a contested call is the difference between winning and losing a game. In our lives, slowing down to reflect can mean the difference between seeing God's work all around us and questioning whether God is even present. It can mean the difference between sustaining our expectance of God's presence or missing God altogether. Like football, life comes at us really fast. And sometimes it's hard to see what is really going on. But when we slow down, it's God's work that we will see. So in this season of Christmas, as we move from one year to the next, 
Look to where God is already with you. Expect the presence of God. Will you please pray with me? God of faithfulness, you are always with us. You will never leave us. And you will always love us. You gave us the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. And as we celebrate that during this Christmas season, and as we move on in this new year, we reflect in you. We reflect on where you have been with us and what Jesus has meant for our lives. And as we go forward, as we respond to your gracious love, allow us to hear what our response can be, how we can grow closer to you, and how we can sustain our expectance of your presence in our lives. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the First Church Message of the Week. To stay connected, subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Facebook. For more information like our church calendar, worship times, and upcoming events, visit our website at watertownfirst.church. This has been the First Church Message of the Week.